Good morning, church. How is everyone doing this morning? You don't actually have to answer that one. That was more of a, I guess, a rhetorical question. But um, good morning. It's wonderful to be with one another, uh, to, to join together. Uh, it's a sweet time to come together and to get rid of the distractions of everyday life and intentionally focus our hearts and our minds as we engage in worship. And this morning, as we continue our, our series, Working Through Ephesians, uh, if you'll notice, uh, this morning's passage really focuses on the authority that, that God has placed in people's lives and in people's families and work and things like that. And so as I was thinking about the authority that God has placed, it had me thinking about the authority that has been over me in my own life. And it had me actually thinking back on former jobs that I've had. My very first job was actually in Northwoods Mall at Family Christian Store, which is no longer there. But that was a a very interesting time. And uh, for those of you that know me a little bit, I was actually in charge of the music wall, which was right up my alley. It was wonderful. Um, That was when, like, the Supertones and DC Talk were still pretty big and popular in the Christian realm. And, but it was, it was just a, a sweet time, especially for my first job. Uh, but since then, uh, I've had a wide range and experience of jobs and, and authority figures over me. And, and not to list all of them, but some of the more uh, eccentric jobs, I worked a night shift in a Waffle House. So that was interesting, 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. in a Waffle House next to Charleston Southern. Uh, I made neon signs at Anchor Sign, and so I was learning how to bend glass and and all of that. Uh, For a while, I was actually the manager of Port City Java, uh, right across from MUSC, so that's where my my coffee and caffeine addiction first really uh, kicked in uh, for a while. And for those of you that are familiar with with Water Mission, uh, I actually had a job at Gel Labs, doing chemical testing on water, Uh, and so that was a pretty strange job. But those are just a few of the more eclectic work experiences that I've had uh, in my life. And the whole time while I was doing that, I was also engaged in ministry, uh, particularly youth ministry, and sometimes I was a volunteer, sometimes I was an intern, Uh, I've been part-time, I've been full-time. But the entire time that I had all of these different work experiences, I was also getting experience uh, with authority in ministry settings as well. And so I've had many different supervisors and bosses and with very different leadership styles. I've had some that really didn't care about being a, a supervisor or a leader at all. They just pretty much, as long as you showed up and, and did your work, that was fine. There was no leadership involved. It was just another warm body to get work done. But then I've actually had some that were very negative experiences with authority. I actually had one manager over me that was extremely anti-Christian and that he would stand over me while I'm working saying things like, not even your God can save you from me. True story. But then I've also had wonderful, amazing supervisors and bosses that the best 
ones were the ones that recognized that they were leaders in that position. They recognized the authority that they had and that they used that authority to guide and shape and train not just me, but the other workers that were underneath them. And I think that's a wonderful sign of a leader using their authority. And outside of the men that have been in my life in ministry, one of these supervisors was extremely influential in why I am doing what I am doing today. I was actually working with Best Buy at the time. And I was going around, I was part of a project team, and we would go around and remodel stores after hours. For some reason, I keep having night jobs. I don't know why. Uh, but uh, in this particular job, uh, my manager, who is also a close friend of mine, he used these training resources that are intended just for any employee, but he used these training resources to point out the strengths that God has given me in my own life. And he said, when you are doing these in ministry, that is when you come alive. When you're using these gifts that God has given you, these strengths flourish. And so thanks to him, and I'll even call his name out if he ever listens to this online one day, but Thad Wellington was, is a dear friend of mine and was extremely influential in making sure that I stayed on the track that God had for me. God used him and his position of authority to guide me and to shape me. And so as we're looking at this passage... Looking back on past weeks, Paul has been talking about submission within the church. He was talking about the submission to one another. Last week we looked at the submission between a husband and a wife. And this week he's using the relationships of a parent and a child and a slave and a master or a bondservant and a master to discuss submission within the role of of authority. And regardless of where you are in, in your own position, if you are a child, if you are a parent, if you are a worker, if you are a supervisor, regardless of where you are, Paul is saying that all believers should have a godly understanding of authority. Because Scripture teaches that all authority comes from God Himself. And so Paul is expounding the Christian life in regard to submitting to authority and wielding authority, and how the Christian does the, both of those, how a Christian submits and wields authority. And he does this in three ways. First, in verses 1-3, through three, learning submission within family. Secondly, in verses 5-8, through eight, learning submission within work. And lastly, in verses 4 and 9, learning submission within within leadership. Before I go any further, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time this morning that we can come and focus our hearts and our minds on You and Your Word. God, I pray that You would destroy the distractions that try to tear us away from You. That in this time that Your Spirit would be here and present with us. That You would speak through me. I am not any better than any person here, but God, that You have chosen me as Your vessel to communicate Your truth. Speak through a broken man as myself to further Your kingdom and Your gospel. Be with us now, we pray. 
In the name of Christ, amen. Now, as I said earlier, we've been working through Ephesians for a while now, and in chapter 5, he's discussing how Christians are to submit to one another. In fact, he says in 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That the Christians are to submit to one another, not think of each other as better or worse than one another, but to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he displays, or I'm sorry, he directly applies that submission principle within the context of marriage. And that's what we looked at last week. But this week, we're looking at specifically the family relationship of a parent to a child but then expanding that to, uh, as he writes here, to slaves and to masters uh, and to uh, bondservants and their masters. But we see first that Paul is pointing out that we are to learn submission within family. Starting in, in uh, 6.1, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And for a quick, uh, interesting side note for those of you that might be a little bit of uh, language or grammar nerds, uh, such as myself, the, the actual Greek word here for children is technon. And that is actually not the word used to, des- to describe a young child, but just a child in general, a, a child of a parent, regardless of age. So pretty much everyone in here is someone's child. You all are children. You might be adult children, but you are the children of your parents. And so he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Because children are under the authority of their parents. As the parent's job is to guide and to teach as a child grows, a child's job is to honor and obey the authority that God has placed over them. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. He's actually quoting from Exodus chapter uh, 20, when, when the Lord has given the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel, the people have been uh, delivered out of Egypt, and they're just kind of wondering, what do we do next? God gives them the ten essential rules for godly living and worship. And it, it's interesting because he starts with, he says, no other gods, have no other gods before me. Have no carved images or idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And the first thing after directly revealing the laws of holy worship, the very next thing that the Lord says is honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. After addressing His holiness, children honoring their parents is the first thing that God lays out for His people. And He gives a promise with it that 
the children that do this, the children that honor their father and the mother, the children that honor their parents, are given the promise that they will live long in the land. And this isn't just a spiritual promise. This is not just, well, if you do this, that you'll receive glory in heaven one day. No, there is a literal physical application here that the children that honor and obey their parents will not be under the, the authority, and, or not under the authority, but under the discipline of their parents, that the children that honor and obey will have an easier time living with their parents than the children that are rebellious and constantly fighting with their parents. That is a literal application. To honor and obey brings peace instead of turmoil. Although for some, this command is actually viewed somewhat negatively to honor the father and mother, to obey parents. Because in all honesty, there are people, and statistically, someone in here is the victim of abuse or neglect from from your own parents. That is a very real struggle that we, you just can't read this and gloss over and be like, well, the Bible says it, so regardless of how you've been treated, just do it. In my own struggle, struggling through Scripture, struggling with my own faith, growing up, my dad was a very dishonorable man. And I don't have time to unpack all of that because we would be here for a while. But in that struggle... My question is, growing up, and especially now that I am a father myself, how do I honor my own father when he proves himself to be dishonorable? Because that, this command still stands. The Scripture still tells me to honor him, even though he does not bring honor to himself. And so, to honor a parent does not necessarily mean do whatever they tell you to do. But to honor and respect the authority that that God has given them over you. To honor, respect, listen. And when applicable, do what your parents tell you to do. Submit, listen, obey. But for those of you that are in unhealthy relationships with your parents, I highly encourage you to seek wisdom from an outside source, and possibly even seek counseling. I will speak firsthand of the wonderful good that counseling does in broken relationships. There is no shame in going to someone else and saying, I have been hurt and wounded and scarred emotionally, and I need someone to help me walk through this. That is good and wise and brings restoration and healing. But if you are, especially for young children, or if you know a young child that is being abused or neglected, seek help from a trusted authority. God cares passionately for those who cannot help themselves. And so if there are children that are being abused or neglected, bring life and justice into that situation. And I know that was kind of a a side rant there. But I wanted to address the fact that there there is a broken truth that in this broken sinful nature of man, 
that these relationships are not always as wonderful and biblical as they should be. But we're still called to honor and obey. And Paul writes here, children, obey your parents. So this is for all who can call themselves a child of a parent. Spoiler alert, that's everyone. I have to ask, how do you obey your parents? Because as grown adults, you have your own independence. Many of you have your own families now yourself. What does it mean to honor and obey your own parents as an adult with a family of your, of your own? Children, as you were growing and learning your own independence as you were getting older, what does it mean for you to honor and obey, to submit to the authority that God has given over you? Is it to literally honor and obey everything that they say and do? Is it a way to, to, to display honor? For some of you in here, for the adults, maybe it's making that phone call that you haven't made. And speaking out of my own struggle and my own weakness, that's, that's where my heart wants to avoid, is making that phone call. Maybe, maybe it involves letting go of that hurt and forgiving. Not to say it never happened, but acknowledge the hurt of something that happened in the past. Say, that was very real and valid, but I'm not going to hang on to that bitterness anymore. Even if they haven't asked for forgiveness, Lord, give me the strength to forgive and move on. Children. Young children. Older children. How do you honor and submit to the authority that God has placed over you? Paul moves on. And he's actually addressing uh, bond servants, slaves, and the masters over them. And I do want to address that as well, because slavery was a very real thing in their time. And I know within our culture, we're so used to the American mindset of slavery that that shapes our view of, of slavery throughout history. But there were also slaves that would willingly make themselves, that they would bond themselves to a master and almost become part of that family, of that household itself. But to address specifically the role of slavery, Paul here is not saying that he condones slavery. He's not telling Christians to go out and get slaves. He never says that owning slaves is a good thing. But the Gospel came not to change politics. It didn't come to change the government. The Gospel came to set lives free spiritually. The Gospel came for salvation of the soul. And in years to come and throughout history, Christians saw that, that spiritual freedom and salvation and began to apply that to slavery itself. And throughout history, Christians have been key workers of ending slavery throughout the world. So even though the Gospel's direct intent was not to end slavery, physical slavery, the outcome of that Christian freedom leads to ending physical slavery. So I just I had to make that clarification. 
But Paul is addressing the bondservant of the first century believer. But it also applies to those of you in the workforce today. For those of you that willingly go to a job and work. And so Paul is teaching Christians then and today to learn submission within work. He says in verse 5, Slaves, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. This is not a literal fear that you should uh, be terrified of the supervisors that God has placed over you, but it is a, a, a fear based out of respect and obedience that this, you're not terrified that your, your boss or your supervisor is kind of dangling your job with a thread saying you better keep in line or else I'm giving you that pink slip and you're out of here. But it's a submission of the heart. He's equating obedience with following Christ. And so how does, how does the Christian in the workforce have this sincere heart? He goes on. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. First, he says that this isn't for eye service or for people pleasers. The people or the the workers, or in this case the the slaves, that would wait until they were actually being watched to do obedient work. Because they're receiving their reward right then. But he says that your work is to be done as a bondservant of Christ. Whether you're being seen or not, because this is a matter of integrity. That you're working the will of God from the heart. That your obedience and your submission to authority in the workplace is a matter of your heart. That your submission to the authority over you is a representation of your submission to God, to Christ, to the One who has placed that authority over you in the first place. In Romans Uh, Paul addresses a similar concept, and he's directly applying this to the authority of the government over people, but he says a very similar principle. In Romans 13, he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed And those who resist will incur judgment. That the authority over you within the government, within your workplace, God has placed that authority over you intentionally. And so the question is, does your heart submit to that authority? Not that you're you're being obedient when your boss or your supervisor is watching you, But are you being submissive? Are you submitting to that authority? 
Is your heart displaying the integrity toward the authority that God has placed over you? Because as you submit to the authority over you, you are submitting to God. And so, where does your heart need to submit? Finally, Paul's not just telling the church to submit to authorities over them, but he challenges those that are in positions of authority as well. And he's calling those with God-given authority to learn submission within leadership. Looking back at verse 4, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. He's addressing fathers there because in that cultural time, that the fathers, or one of the fathers' jobs was to teach and instruction. The, The father was the primary one responsible for the teaching and instruction of their children. But addressing the church today, that can be expanded to say parents. Fathers, mothers, parents, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't lord your authority over over your children in a way that provokes them. Don't hold your authority over them with a clenched fist saying, you better do what I say. And there are some times where you have to play the parent card and when the child says, well, why do I have to do this? Because you're the child. I'm the parent. And there are some times where you have to play that card. But Paul's saying, do not bring them up in such a way that you're driving them toward anger and their reaction toward you. But instead, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. For me, this actually echoes Paul's encouragement to Timothy when he's reminding him of the the God-given power and authority of Scripture itself when he says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That when Paul is addressing parents saying that you are to discipline and train your child in the Lord, that this is echoing the teaching and reproof and correction and training of Scripture itself. That the job of the parent is not just to correct and tell children, no, you did that wrong. But the job of the parent is to bring them up in the knowledge and the ways of the Lord. To point the children to Scripture because Scripture itself is good for teaching and correcting, for reproof and training in righteousness. The parent's job is to point the child to Scripture, to Christ, to the cross and the empty tomb. That the parent's job is to lead the child closer to holiness. That for those of you that might be accustomed to gardening, that you're not just constantly pruning off, but that you're persistent and intentional with growing. Parents, how are you intentionally growing your children? but also to address the bondservant masters 
Paul says to submit to authority as submitting to Christ. In verse 9, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. God is the master of both the slave, the servant, the worker, and the master. God is master over both. All. To those in authority, handle that authority as you submit to Christ. Lead them with the authority that has been demonstrated to you. Godly authority does not mock those beneath. Godly authority does not ridicule and destroy and tear down, but it builds up. That godly authority leads with compassion. That for those with authority, that you are to submit to Christ as you lead with authority. Paul tells the Galatians in chapter 3 of Galatians, Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That the work that Christ did to redeem His people brings all people to the same level. Because all people are guilty of sin and that the punishment for that sin for all people is death. But in His mercy, Christ, God the Son, God in the flesh, submitted Himself to God the Father. That He came in the flesh and lived a sinful life. That He took your punishment upon Himself. That it was nailed to the cross with Him as the perfect sacrifice and he submitted himself to death itself and that in his resurrection that all who submit to him are found equal that there is no jew or greek there is no slave or free today we could say that there is no white or black or latino that there is no republican or democrat Especially within our South Carolina context, there is no Clemson or Carolina. And yes, I just said that. But all are equal in the power and glory and redemption of Christ. And so Paul says that you are spiritually equal to those beneath you. That your authority has been given to you by God. So lead with the compassionate submission that Christ Himself displayed. And He displayed that on your behalf. If you are in a position of authority, lead those beneath you the way that Christ has led you. So for those in authority, how are you leading? Just as the, the parents were addressed to not provoke their children to anger, do you wield your authority like a weapon, making those beneath you fearful? Are you using your authority to build up and encourage and point those beneath you to compassion and redemption? And when, when possible, to point them to Christ Himself? 
Do you submit your authority to the one who gave you that authority? As we close, I I want to challenge and encourage everyone in here to examine your own heart or examine the relationships that you are in. Children, young children, older children, are you living in disrespect to the authority that God has placed over you? Or will you honor and obey your parents in the Lord and submit to your parents as you submit to God? For those of you that are in the workforce, that that you are engaged in work itself, are you living in arrogance and disrespect to the authority over you? Are you being obedient only when you're being watched, knowing that you are being seen? Or will you submit with a heart of integrity to submit to authority as part of your submission to the Lord? And to those in positions of authority, to parents, to bosses, to supervisors, are you wielding your authority with a clenched fist? as a way to exert your power? Or will you remember that this role that you have been placed in is a God-given position to bring, the, to bring up those under you in the mercy that Christ Himself has shown to you? What will you choose? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time that we can come together, that we can sit under the authority of Your Word. God, we confess that far too often that in our individuality, in our rebellion, we do not want to submit our hearts to the authorities over us. Our parents, our bosses, our managers, whatever, we do not want to submit to authority and that in rebellion to them we are rebelling against You. So we confess. Give us hearts of integrity and show us where we need to submit. And for those of us that are in positions of authority, we confess that we have not been diligent with showing mercy the mercy that has been shown to us. Show us how we can lead as You have led us. Show us how we can show compassion as You showed compassion to us. As we leave today, remind us of Your sacrifice, of Your Gospel, of Your glory, and use us to share that glory in the submission of our own heart to your authority. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.